Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Experienced staff at local branches and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Sam with Wrestling Overtime, and this is your AEW Dynamite results for February 10th, 2021. And this was pretty much an action-packed AEW. They had a lot going on in just two hours that was important to not only their storylines leading up to their pay-per-view with Revolution, but with John Moxley and Kenta's battle on February 26th on New Japan Strong. Um, we have Impact um, pay-per-view No Surrender coming up this Saturday. Plus, next Tuesday coming together. And so I think that they did a really good job with this show knowing how many different promotions and promotions pay-per-views and even just their shows they're affecting by the stories that that the wrestlers under their guidance give it opened up which was a little shocking to me i i don't know why I didn't think that they would open up with this match. I'm glad they did because they started off hot. Um, bringing out the TNT title as your first match. I mean, l literally, they showed a video package of last week where Kenta showed up and hit... John Moxley with the go to sleep and then they had Joey Janela come out and then immediately Darby Allen comes out as they are getting ready to lock up for the TNT championship. I love I told you guys last week, I love the fact that Darby Allen on social media come out and said you know, when I came to AEW, Joey Janela was a main event star. He was taking on John Moxley and everything. He got hurt. He went off and did some programs of his own on the indie circuit that he had already committed to. 
and it was almost like he kind of fell by the wayside. They started putting him on AEW Dark, and I think he got upset. And Darby Allen reached out to him. And like I said, it happened on social media, and I think that part was so cool that he said, you know, someone like Joey Janela deserves a shot at the TNT Championship. And I think this is the perfect time for it because Darby, to me, was getting stale. And I never thought I would say that about Darby Allen. But to me, he was getting a little stale by coming out week after week after week with Sting. And they weren't doing anything. Sting wasn't really talking, yet when he would, they weren't giving him enough time for Darby to talk to. And I think Darby's probably the better talker of the two right now. And so seeing him finally taking on Joey Janela, who is just as big of a risk taker as Darby is, this brought me back into the right frame of mind with Darby that, oh my gosh, this is the guy I like. I like the risk taker. I like the fight all comers. Yes, I know I'm small, but I don't care. Uh, due to my quickness, due to my ability, due to my uh, willingness to do anything to win, then I'm still going to beat you. I'm relentless, as, you know, he has tattooed on him. And so I thought this match got a little stiff, especially Janela. Um, I know that they fought a lot on the independent circuit. And I don't know whether Janela was just taking the opportunity to be on TV and to, and to get his shot in. But like I said, he seemed uh, fairly stiff with Darby. Um, doing the body scissors in the middle of the ring while fish, fish hooking Darby's mouth, I thought was really cool by Joey Janela. But he put through Darby an enormous amount of pain and then of course Darby starts in he starts his comeback working the injured arm and like I said we started seeing the Darby that we all fell in love with as he was making his comeback though I couldn't help it but think is Team Taz going to come out and ruin this match? This has been a good match. I've enjoyed it. And it took my mind off of it a little bit. Because I, I kept wondering, is Ricky Starks going to run into the ring and get get this disqualification? And it turned out to be a jacked up mess. Because AEW likes to have run-ins. No. Uh, I don't know who put a stop to that, whether it was Tony Khan, whether it was Darby, whether it was Joey. I don't know, but they actually had a full-fledged, real wrestling where both of them gave it their all. They took chances. Darby ended up doing the coffin drop and winning the match, and I was absolutely excited 
that we got this as our first match. And I thought, here's the turning point. Maybe we're going to get what AEW was like three months ago. Because I think, right, well, I can almost tell you exactly when it was. It was December 2nd uh, when John Moxley lost his belt. I felt that they started doing too many shenanigans, too many run-ins, bringing in people out of the blue that they had to explain to us what the story was instead of us knowing what the story was. Um, I liked that Darby got to celebrate a little. And then they started talking about Kenta coming in, kicking down the forbidden door, and we hear from Mr. John Moxley himself. And he talks about how Kenta has been calling him out for months. And he knows that he wants the IWGP championship, but that, you know, February 26th is the sanctioned match by New Japan. Tonight, when he teams with Lance Archer and Kenta teams with Kenny Moxley, that it's just for fun. And so that is his attitude. And so you can tell... John Moxley is coming into a no DQ, false count anywhere match, looking to brawl. We then get the inner circle. We see Sammy Guevara come in and ask MJF to speak to him. And then he turns to the rest of the guys. Chris Jericho's not in there. But we see Santana and Ortiz, Jake Hager and Wardlow, and he asks them, hey, could you guys talk, uh, go ahead and leave? I, I need to talk to MJF. And, of course, they give in and do. And my immediate thought is Chris Jericho is going to come in and catch Sammy doing something, and it's going to be an issue. That's how it almost always is. MJF sets him up. Well, no, they actually had a talk where Sammy, I thought, probably had a speech ready as far as he tells MJF he thinks that he's trying to take over the inner circle from Chris Jericho and how he doesn't want that to happen. But MJF turns that around and says, look, I thought you were jealous of me, but since actually joining the inner circle, I have noticed you're jealous of Chris Jericho. And I realize that you actually hate Jericho. And you hate that you actually have to play second fiddle to him. And so you're getting upset because you want to take over the inner circle and you think I'm getting in your way. And... Sammy being the smart aleck that he is, um, he's portrayed that on TV, but also if you hear him on podcasts or anything like that, he does it. He says, me? Yeah, yeah, that's me. That I really want to take over the inner circle. That's exactly what I want to do. 
And MJF says, that's what I needed. Turns around to pick up his phone, and Sammy realizes he's been recording him the whole entire time. So Sammy takes his phone away and smashes it against the wall, and then turns to MJF and, of course, floors MJF. We don't see what else happens because they immediately take us to a commercial break. But you have to wonder what else exactly happened, you know? So then we are seeing Cesar Bonito um, make his debut with Pretty Peter Avalon. Why are we doing this again? Uh, they're taking on the Nightmare Family with Cody and Lee Johnson. And then, of course, we have Iron Anderson come out as, a, you know, a visor manager of them. The match of Cody and Peter Avalon was absolutely awful last week. Um... Peter Avalon just reminds me of a low-card indie wrestler that the promoter puts on because he feels sorry for him. I feel like he's out of shape. I feel like he doesn't, he can't really wrestle. I know that he had the comedian gimmick of being the librarian. They have taken that away from him. And so now, I don't understand why he was even given a chance at Cody last week. They do make comment that Iron Anderson lit Cody up last week for looking so bad, and that JR did too. And I believe that, because Cody did look bad last week. Now, whether he was doing it on purpose for the storyline or not, I don't really know. I don't really care. For Cody to look that bad is pretty unacceptable. And I love that Lee Johnson hasn't gotten a win. I think they said he was 0-29 or 0-19. I don't remember. But Cody wants to give him his first win. But I really don't think it needs to be against this tag team. Now, they work fairly well together, meaning Lee Johnson and Cody. Of course, Lee Johnson has been Cody QT and Dustin's student, but I was shocked at how well they, they actually work together. In this, they make, make reference that Cody gets hurt. And I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. For the simple fact, it seems like Cody almost always gets hurt. And number two, it wasn't something that they really played up. It wasn't something that Iron Anderson immediately checked, you know, when the match was over or anything like that. Cody and Lee Johnson end up winning, and out comes Dustin and QT, and you can see that Lee Johnson is fairly emotional. 
getting his first victory. And so Tony Schiavone interviews him, and he thanks everyone in the Nightmare family, including Brandy, except for QT Marshall. Um, I don't know that a lot of people notice that, though. Even though they positioned QT Marshall right behind him, and you could see his face. His face dropped, and then he made a thing like, did he just forget me? He went through the names, and he was like, I'm standing right here. He saw me, yet he forgot me. And so I look for that to get brought up soon, and us have hopefully a storyline about it they go to the back and the young bucks and the good brothers are backstage so we know the good brothers are there and i'm thinking okay but why are they going to get involved with kenny omega's match because when they went over the matches scheduled for tonight the young bucks were not in the lineup the bucks do have an issue with the good brothers stating that they distracted them in the battle royal last night however the good brothers say that they didn't mean to distract them that they were going after private party and trying to hurt them because they have a match this Saturday at Impact's pay-per-view, No Surrender, and that that wasn't something that they meant to do, and that if they would have won, then they would have picked the Young Bucks. Well, we see Matt Jackson get really frustrated at that, and I don't blame him, because... It's kind of an unwritten rule. Unless your friend asks, you don't really pick your friend to go up against and take their titles. So he says, look, I don't really want to wait to defend our titles. How about we do it next week? And he looks at his brother and says, how about Santana and Ortiz? They, you know, have been looking good. I am excited because you guys know for the last, gosh, Three weeks, four weeks, I've been saying LAX and the Lucha Brothers have been put on the back burner for some of these young tag teams. I enjoy the acclaimed. I enjoy Top Flight. Please do not read into that. But, you know, some of the others, I can give or take. Especially when you're putting tag team situations into, like, Kip and Miro. They're not really a tag team. I don't want to see them be a tag team. You know, um, I don't really even like the Lance Archer, John Moxley tag team that we're getting tonight. They're not a tag team. So, um, I am going to enjoy next week when the Young Bucks take on LAX or the Proud and the Powerful, as uh, so many of them call it. Um... Dasha has found Hangman Page. 
He reiterates, I don't want to be in a tag team. I don't want to be part of a faction. I want to be on my own. Well, Matt Hardy comes over and says, you know, brings him, um, his own, he puts his arm around him and says, look, I want to celebrate. And he says, there's an open bar. I, I, I want to pay for your drinks. I want you to drink as much as you want. I'm going to drink as much as I want. I want to celebrate our win. So, as Hangman says, I've got to go get my phone. Um, I'll meet you up there. He runs in to the Dark Order. He is kind of embarrassed. It's really awkward, really nasty tension. And he just kind of walks past them. And then we're getting Ryan Nemeth versus Pac. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ryan Nemeth is Nick Nemeth's brother. Nick Nemeth is Dolph Ziggler in the WWE. Ryan Nemeth um, also is a comedian, and um, he's actually a pretty good wrestler. He hung in there fairly well with Pac. Um, and I'm glad they're, they're keeping Pac in the mix. Uh, they're getting him some wrestling to get some ring rust off, and that they're trying to make Ryan Nemeth. He's got a good look. He can talk the talk where he's a comedian, and I think he's got some wrestling chops. Um, loved that Pac hit the black arrow on him and then put the brutalizer on him. And did you see Ryan Nemeth's face? Um... That bright red, open mouth look that he gave was hilarious. Um, so Pac, of course, wins, and then they replay the wedding from last week. And I was sitting on my couch, and I guess I was confused as they were showing it, because I was thinking, was that last week? That seems like that was last month. I guess it's where we've been hearing about the wedding forever and a year. Um, it doesn't feel like the wedding was last week. But Miro talks about how no one messes with the best man. The interesting thing is he doesn't really blame Chuck. Um, he blames Orange Cassidy. And so... I don't know that I want to see a Miro-Orange Cassidy feud. I didn't really want to see a Miro-Chucky e. T feud either. I was kind of hoping that, that this would just go away. But, of course, they, they, I guess, can't. I would like to see Miro involved with someone of his own brutality. I, I would like to see him in, almost in a hardcore match um, and and see what he can do. I don't like him wrestling a lot of these littler guys that he seems to want to take on. So, just, I don't know, disappointed with that. Dasha catches Chris Jericho before he's getting ready to go out with his match with MJF versus the Acclaimed. 
And I told you earlier today in News and Thoughts that the claims had dropped a two-minute diss track on Chris Jericho and MJF, so I can't wait for them to come out. But Dasha asked Chris Jericho, you know, where where's MJF? And they're like, oh, he's probably stretching or something like that. MJF comes in about that time with his ribs taped, and he said he's been at the doctor, that Sammy soccer punched him, and all of this. So Jericho is like, look, we can't deal with that now. We've we've got to put that out of our mind, and we'll deal with it later, and we need to take care of this match. So, of course, Jericho comes out to Judas, and then we hear the claim. Love um, Caster and Bowens, I mean, they are hilarious. Um, Caster making fun of MJF singing You Are My Sunshine on Rosie O'Donnell, I, I thought it was hilarious. I can't help it. Now, this match, I don't know that it was that great. Um, the acclaimed has only lost once. And so, I really felt like this needed to be a more even match, or the acclaimed needed to take charge of it. Chris Jericho and MJF, this is really, I think, the second time that they've been a tag team. They should have shown them having tag team issues, not really um, getting in it. Uh, MJF has some tag team experience from being with the Dynasty, but he doesn't with Chris Jericho. And I didn't feel like Jericho and MJF left the claim strong. I don't feel like that they really... I don't know. I don't think this was a good match. Um, I hated the whole spot where um, Jericho went for the line salt but ended up getting hit with the boombox so he didn't get a chance to do it again. I I just didn't like the whole match. Um, of course, the inner circle win because they've got the upcoming tag team match with the Young Bucks to for the championships. But I kind of wish they would have did a losing streak angle with them going after the championships. Immediately after they win, then we see Sammy come out. Loved this Sammy. This was the cocky, confident Sammy that we saw in the beginning of AEW that caught Chris Jericho's eye that Chris Jericho wanted to take under his wing and teach. He came out, he stood up to Chris Jericho, and he just flat out said, Look, I told you, if one more thing happens, I'm gone. Um, MJF has did it, and I'm done. And Chris Jericho is like, What do you mean? What do you mean you're done? Now, of course, MJF is having problems keeping his snickering and his smirking down. Everyone else is kind of looking like, what? 
and acting almost concerned. But you've got to remember that Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager were also part of the inner circle with Sammy for a lot longer. But I liked it that Sammy said, I'm done. And Chris Jericho was like, I, I don't really know what you mean. And Sammy spelled it out for him. I quit. And they tried to catch up with him as he was, you know, leaving the building, leaving the parking lot. And he just told Alex Marvez, I need some time away. I need to think. I need to get my head under control. Um, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And so I hope that we see the old Spanish God uh, come back where he is cocky, confident, and is doing singles wrestling, and they start pushing him. Uh, I would love that. Then we get Matt Hardy and Adam Page in the bar, and he is getting Adam Page drunk, and Hangman drinks all the time. And I thought pretty much... Everyone in AEW knew that. Um, he makes no bones about it that he drinks at home, he drinks at AEW, he, he pretty much drinks wherever, whenever. He drinks so much because he has a little bit of a tolerance to it. And I don't know whether... Matt Hardy didn't pick that up or not. You think with his past and Jeff Hardy's past that he would. But he flat out tells Adam Page, you know, why don't you come sign with me so that I can take care of you. I'll only take 30%. It's not that much when you're making as much money as you and da-da-da-da-da. Well, Page kind of agrees, uh, Matt Hardy gives him the contract, and as Matt Hardy is telling the camera, this is why I wanted you here, because when he sobers up, he may have some questions, and I want it that I told him that I, you know, explained all of this to him and everything. If you were watching, though, Adam Page, he switches the contracts. He actually did not sign the contract that Matt Hardy gave him. He signed a different contract. Now, we don't know what that contract says. I'm sure we're going to find out next week, though. But he says, I think you have to sign this also. Unbelievably, Matt Hardy, you know, big money Matt, doesn't check it. And he just signs it. And... I think that is an interesting turn of events that, number one, Matt Hardy thought that he was so drunk he wouldn't catch it. But number two, the whole issue that's been going on with private party, obviously Big Money Matt doesn't think that anyone's paying attention to it. It is the story of this week with Private Party taking on the Good Brothers of Chris Saban and Cowboy James Storm at Impact Wrestling's pay-per-view on Saturday, is the fact that not only did Private Party sign a contract with Big Money Matt, 
that sucked that they he gets 30% of AEW money. It's that he gets 50% of Impact Wrestling money. So I'm sure anyone messing around with Big Money Mike is going to do things like Adam Page is doing. Or at least run through it and be like, yeah, I'm not signing this. Then we get Tony Shivani interviewing Sting for what seems to be the thousandth time. I know Sting wants to be there every week. I know they signed him to be there every week. But does he have to come out and get interviewed by Tony Shivani? Every time. Can we not put him on commentary? Can we not have a vignette with him interacting with someone else backstage or anything like that? Tony gets around to asking him about the street fight as Taz interrupts. Which Taz, again, always interrupts. This is the hundredth billionth time of this. And... He says, look, we're going on a road trip, and uh, we just wanted to tell you bye. And you see Brian Cage and Ricky Starks zipping up the body bag that Darby Allen always cares, carries, I should say. And you see Darby Allen's face in the body bag. They zip it up and climb uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage get in the back of the truck, and it takes off dragging the body bag behind it with Darby Allen in it. And the only problem with this segment is that Sting, of course, goes after him. And he is not moving real quick. Now, I've reminded myself, he's 61 years old. He can't, like, jump over the ropes and go running down the tunnel. But Sting was his normal, careful, deliberate self, going through the ropes, going across the stage, going through the tunnel. And AEW showed that. And I was like, you guys shouldn't have showed that part. Because... He looked like an old man. He looked like somebody that cannot save Darby Allen. No way. There's no stretch of my imagination that he can save Darby Allen. Then we get Alex Marvez earlier in the day. They show a video package of where he found Kenny Omega with Don Callis golfing and of course Marvez almost blows Kenny Omega's shot which pisses him off and he tells Marvez that you know he is not one of those wrestlers where he sits around watches tape breaks down you know his partner Kenta or that he breaks down what John Moxley's gonna do or anything like that he shouldn't have to break down Kenta he spent years in Japan with him. Uh, he should definitely know how that works. They're in the Bullet Club together. This probably is not the first time they've tagged together. 
Um, he said that he likes being on the golf course, being one with nature and, and getting his mind at ease and all of this other stuff. Of course, he hits the shot. It's not a very good shot. And you see Callis telling the caddy to go get the ball and throw it in the hole and, and all of that. But he ends it with the goodbye and good night. Then we get our first women's world title eliminator tournament first round match. You talk about a mouthful. Um, they talk about how the first round of the Japan side is going to be shown on Monday on YouTube. And, um, I think there's going to be four matches. Don't hold me to that. But I think there's going to be four matches. And so tonight we're getting Thunder Rosa versus Layla Hirsch. This was an okay match. Uh, Thunder Rosa looked really good. She looked on top of her game. She uh, did a comment afterwards about how she wanted her NWA title back from Serena Deeb but that she really also wanted to win this tournament so that she could go after the AEW championship from Shadia. And that after all of that, she wanted Dr. Brett Baker again. And I don't blame her. After last week, I mean, they had a pretty good match. I was impressed. Um, After last week where, you know, Rebel, Reba, whatever you want to call her, took off the turnbuckle, and they ran Thunder Rosa into the steel cable. You know, I don't blame her for wanting Britt Baker at all. Um, They then, of course, talk about the match, which Thunder Rosa wins fairly handily, and they talk about how next week we will get to see Serena Deeb take on Riho. And when I saw that, I saw that in the brackets. I thought it was a mistake. Rio was your AEW World Championship um, person right off. Because you wanted to swerve everybody because you didn't think that they would be accepting of Nyla Rose. Do you have the NWA Serena Deeb, who is part of AEW, lose to the ex-world champion? Or do you have the ex-world champion who hasn't wrestled in AEW in 11 months because she's been in Japan? You finally brought her over because the travel restrictions have been lightened. And you have her lose right off the bat. I think this was a stupid mistake on their part. Having these two go up against each other in the first round. I thought that, you know, this would at least be a second round. Or, you know, to go to the semifinals or something like that. I I mean... That's just me, though. We see Tony Schiavone backstage with Jungle Boy. I am shocked and impressed with, it looks like Jungle Boy has grown, I don't know, two inches, maybe. 
he looks like he has been working out and he wants to talk about FTR. Well, I want him to drop FTR. You're done with being a tag team. You are singles wrestler now. That was the reason why Tony Khan bought the rights to Jungle Boy was to break you up and get you out of singles mode. FTR is not singles. They are a tag team. Ever since they've come on the scene, whether it's been the indie scene, um, WWE, or now AEW, they have said we're acting. So Jungle Boy just needs to forget about them. But of course, he talks about how he came out of that match as a different man and he wants to meet them again. And, and I just don't think it needs to happen. I think Jungle Boy needs to move on and get started with his singles career. Then we get to see the main event starting. Kenta comes out first. He has a cool uh, video entrance, but he comes out with a briefcase showing that he is the person that's going to take on John Moxley. Then we see Kenny Omega, we see Lance Archer, and then, of course, we see John Moxley. This was a pretty good match just to be honest with you. Um, it was pretty much a match that I think had to be done. You know, I think it was a match that um, they had to do it this way because Moxley and Lance Archer are brawlers. I like the fact that Kenta and John Moxley started out on each other with Lance Archer and Kenny Omega. Lance Archer has also been in New Japan. He's had dealings with the, the Bullet Club. So I thought this was a perfect situation. little disappointed that really we only saw them go to the kitchen. I thought they would go more places. I thought they would end up in the parking lot, actually. Uh, the trash can spots were pretty cool that Kenny Omega did on John Moxley. However, the table spot, I thought that they screwed up a lot. For the simple fact that Kenny Omega hit him, John Moxley knew he was supposed to get ready to get on the table, but he saw that Kenta wasn't there, so he turned around so that he was actually on the time the, or the ring bell side, and it was obvious he had to wait. Because Kenta and Lance Archer hadn't made it there yet. Now, once they got there, the spot itself, Kenta coming through when everybody thought it was going to be Kenny Omega, uh, was cool. But the fact that John Moxley had to wait so long laying there on the table, that wasn't realistic. John Moxley wouldn't have done that. And so there were little hiccups. 
in it in that way. And so I think that's the part that got to me a little bit. Um, but otherwise, like I said, it, it was a good match. Um, I didn't like the Good Brothers getting involved. I really wish they have four men out there already. Surely, at some point, they can disable one and the other two can gang up and we can get a two-on-one and get a pin. We didn't need to make it four on two and then four on one. But I guess, I don't know, I guess they felt like they needed to. Um, John Moxley not being in the finish and Kenta not being in the finish. I guess they're saving that for February 26th. Uh, was also a little disheartening. But having the Good Brothers come out, get involved, like I said, go four on two, it really made for a sloppy finish. Um, Kenny not being able to get Lance Archer up in the one-winged angel was realistic, but then him having the Good Brothers help him, but Kenta not be involved, uh, I, I didn't really like that did i hated it that that lance archer ended up having to get pinned but they're on a roll right now and so somebody had to take the pin uh, like i said overall pretty good match i am enjoying the matt hardy adam page storyline i like the fact that the young bucks are going to take on lax next week i like sammy quitting the inner circle going to come back cockier um joined the first match tremendously with darby allen and joey janela and then darby allen taking a ride in his body bag um the Women's Eliminator match, I can give or take. Thunder Rosa was good, but if you're going to have people come out and interfere, distract, or whatever, not sure why you didn't have Britt Baker do that. Um, I don't know. Just a good show. Solid show that moves some storylines along, but wasn't anything outstanding. Wasn't anything to write home about. Um... It was better than NXT. I uh, watched NXT first. You guys got to hear that episode. I felt there was way too many tag team matches in that. I'm getting tired of the tag team stuff. And But this, because it moved storylines along, had single matches. Um, and it told a story and everything. Just felt like it was better than NXT this week. But what do you think? What did you think of AEW? Did you like it? Did you not? Did you enjoy the main event? Did you like the Good Brothers getting involved? You guys need to write me at wrestlingovertime at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at wrestlingovertime. Tell me what you guys are thinking. And I will be talking to you guys soon. And I'll see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, 
golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Experienced staff at local branches and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.